Psychology in Seattle. Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, licensed therapist. I'm Mandy, Kirk's cousin. And I'm Humberto Castaneda. I'm a campaign manager for Republican candidates. Mm, all of them? One in particular. Please like us on Facebook. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. And please email us at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. That's contact at psychologyinseattle.com. We always love hearing from our listeners. Today's episode is about differentiation, which is a concept developed by Murray Bowen, who is considered by some to be the grandfather of family therapy. He developed his theory in the, I'm guessing, 50s and 60s, so it, it goes kind of far back. It's something that I talk about with my students, and I thought I would share it here on the podcast. Basically, in a nutshell, differentiation refers to a number of things. The first thing it refers to is your differentiation level between you and other people, so how much individuality you have and how much togetherness you have. And Bowen considered it to be more healthy to be able to differentiate yourself from other people than to be merged or fused with other people. Incidentally, I believe he came from an enmeshed family, a very fused family where there was a lot of interaction and a lot of emotional reactivity and everyone was in each other's business and everything. And he actually, he actually wrote an entire paper on how he used himself and his family in an experiment to try to differentiate himself from his family. Someone died in the family and he went home for a funeral and he did all these experimentations to try to rework the relationships in his family. And he believed that he came out of that experience more differentiated and therefore more healthy. So differentiation refers to your ability to differentiate between yourself and other people, you know, your own thoughts. He saw highly unhealthy individuals as having difficulty differentiating their own thoughts and feelings from other people's thoughts and feelings. So if someone was very angry or upset at something outside of them, like their father is angry at their coworker, the child might have difficulty differentiating their father's anger from their own anger. And there was a lot of talk about anxiety. As anxiety was going up, how long does it take for that anxiety to affect someone else and overpower someone else's feeling state? Um, he talked about an undifferentiated ego mass. And I think that's because he came from a very fused family. The other thing it refers to is the ability to differentiate between your feelings and your thoughts. So you have feelings like anger and love and sadness and fear, and you have thoughts like, I want to tell that person to go away, or I want to kiss that person, or I want to say this. Undifferentiated people do not have the ability to differentiate between their thoughts and their feelings, and they often react from their feelings, and they're very emotionally reactive, and then later on regret what they did because their feelings flooded their guidance system. And so differentiation refers to, again, your ability to differenti differentiate between yourself and others, particularly your parents, and the ability to differentiate between your thoughts and your feelings. And this might sound very similar to cognitive theory, and it is, but the difference with Bowen is that he considered it to be a relational – he considered relationships to have an effect on one's ability to think in a goal-directed way. So in order to be happy in life, in order to achieve your goals, you had to differentiate yourself from your family of origin, from the family that you grew up in. And um, he also believed that the level of differentiation that one has is dependent on your parents' level of differentiation. So he believed that through the generations, differentiation was passed from one generation to the next. 
in his time, this was very revolutionary because it considered family, it considered generations, it considered your relationships to be very important. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well. Am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I asked you guys to look over a handout that I actually, it's, a, it's an abbreviated handout that I give to my students, and think about someone that you believe is differentiated and someone that you think is undifferentiated. So, Manny, could you just read a few of the qualities on that page there of someone who is differentiated? A greater ability to choose between emotional and intellectual guidance system, better decision-making, more thoughtful and intentional decisions, able to tolerate conflict, more flexible, more realistic in self-evaluation. Sounds like a Radiohead song. Better able to get along with his associate employees and employers. (laughs) (laughs) Calmer, fitter, more productive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Mandy, do you have someone in mind that you can think of? You don't have to name their name, of course, but uh, can you talk about them specifically and how they exhibit higher levels of differentiation? A colleague slash close friend of mine whom I consider like a mentor um, and older sibling to me, uh, I think really exhibits a lot of these qualities. I kind of equated differentiation with like independence of thought, strong character, strong willed. Right. The ability to tolerate conflict. If your opinion differs from someone else and you believe that it's okay to have that opinion, you're not afraid to voice it. And we're not just talking about opinions differing from, you know, someone else. We're talking like when you talk about like your family unit in that your opinions differ from someone's expectations of you like a family like your parents like that takes you know it's not just like you disagree with your friend it's like you disagree with your parent who thinks they know better who wants the best for you you don't see it you're gonna do your own thing you're gonna go your own way and that is a strong brave thing that you know a lot of people either fuse you're like okay i'll do what you want or you're like i'm gonna do this i don't care well and and let me give a third thing and you're giving two great examples one is is to say okay i'll do what you want mom and dad because i'm not differentiated and so your thoughts are my thoughts and i don't value my own thoughts Um, And the second option is to stand up for yourself and be assertive, and that would be differentiated. The third option is to stand up for yourself in a fused way in that you're only rebelling. You're only opposing your parents because you're so emotionally reactive that you don't want to do what they tell you to do. Hmm. And that is sometimes confused with being differentiated, but it's still fused. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. It does make sense. So sometimes people will say, I'm very differentiated. I never talk to my parents. And and that could be true. You know, it could be that they're differentiated. But sometimes I find that they're actually just so emotionally reactive to their parents that they can't tolerate them. And they actually will distance themselves. They'll cut themselves off. And Bowen actually recognized this as a form of fusion. But anyway, so go ahead. You were describing your friend whom I've met, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yes, you have. And this person is like, aside from my mother the strongest female i know like i know it sounds silly when i say it but i swear to you when i think of her her mantra that i always repeat to myself she's just like i just don't give a fuck she just doesn't she will do what she wants she thinks what she wants she's very headstrong and it inspires me and it's like oh yeah you know what it's always like i'm caught up i'm more of a fused person in like thinking about what this person says or this, you know, my parents or expectations of everybody else and wanting to please people because that ties into our multicultural therapy of being of a ethnicity that values social harmony. And so is she. However, she's totally put that aside and was like, no, you know, this is what I want. I don't care what anyone expects. I don't care what my parents or society or culture expects. And so she's very 
strong and has always done what she wants and she's my perfect example not that she's rebelling or making stupid decisions she's just strong and just always is very sure logical and you know rational and it's just like you're getting caught up about nothing that's a powerful thing to to defy one's asian parents <laughs> that is a difficult thing for asians to do well my example is um is actually an example of how it can sometimes uh, be used for the dark side of the force. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Leroy McPherson. You guys familiar with Leroy McPherson? His first name is Newton Leroy <laughs> McPherson. <laughs> yes, that is Newt Gingrich's God-given name. Or Wait. Not God-given, but... He Gingr- got, Gingrich isn't he his He got last a name? new first no, no, and no. last name? His, yeah, his real full name is Newton Leroy McPherson. Not Gingrich? Not Gingrich. When did he change it? So, but, but anyways, the Newt Gingrich is a very differentiated individual. Is he? Yeah. If you know, if you ever hear him uh, speak, debate, he is completely unafraid of his positions, his opinions. He doesn't mind. Like they will ask him in interviews, like, hmm. so I mean, everyone is saying that you are this or that you said this, and then isn't that terrible? And he'll say like. Yep, I said it. Nope, it's not terrible. And they're wrong because of this. Yeah, uh, He just doesn't, to quote you, give a fuck. Right. I suppose politicians have to be pretty differentiated, actually, when I think about it. I'm sure a lot of Democrats would hate us calling a Republican differentiated, attributing anything positive to a Republican. But, but at the same time, I would say that politicians in general probably have to be really differentiated. Because, Mandy, you were saying that you struggle with being differentiated, and you're trying to become more differentiated as you as you progress um and can you imagine being a politician and and people asking you a billion questions a day and disagreeing with a lot of the things you say and and saying awful things about you on the i mean can you imagine the pressure Mm -mm, no plus it would just be very hard you have to just put it out of your mind and not care or it will destroy you and make you just feel like oh my god you know you can't please everybody and they sure as hell don't and that's life. That is your life as a politician till the day you leave office. Right. So Bowen would say that you need to sit down with a therapist. Actually, he called himself a coach. And he would try to coach you to become more differentiated. And he would try to remain very unanxious as you talked about your anxiety as a way of trying to help the differentiation in the room. He kind of he kind of saw differentiation as, a, as an energy. I mean, not in the sense of woo-woo crystal energy, but, but like he can... Like the force. Like the force, exactly, <laughs> like the force. As he became l- more differentiated and less anxious with clients, he believed that clients would be more differentiated over time and, and less anxious. Hmm. And so he would coach you on differentiating yourself from your parents directly, that when you went home for Thanksgiving or Christmas or birthdays or whatever to... If we celebrated birthdays. Back to the spoke. <laughs> He would coach you on how to get out of being emotionally reactive. Uh, He had a very uh, low expectation of our ability to differentiate. He actually said that when you go, this might be apocryphal, from my memory, uh, he said that the most highest differentiated person, he actually had a scale from zero to 100. And so the person that was operating at 100, at the level 100 differentiation, uh, when they went home for something like Thanksgiving, they were able to stay and remain differentiated for a half an hour and then after that after that point you know all no one could stay differentiated beyond that point yes yes totally i lose i jokingly say i lose all free will when i go home and that's true and it's funny but it's sad 
and true. And I'm just like, oh my God, I have no free time. I have no decision making. I've lost all independence. As long as I'm there, they've got my balls. Right. And I'm like, oh. And so Bolin would say, or I might say that people at mid-level differentiation lose themselves the week before Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? And so, so uh, before they even go home. Um, so uh, now there's some criticisms to, to Bowenian theory. Feminists consider this to be a very male perspective. Bowen equated separateness and the ability to reason over emotion is a patriarchal way of seeing the world, right? Especially when you're a professional trying to impose that upon a client. And also, culturally speaking, it's a very waspy uh, aspiration, right, to become separate, your own man, independent. In other cultures, they might not value that, and that might not actually be healthy for them to separate themselves from their community. Totally. I can see that the emotional versus logical part makes sense. However, when we're talking about families, like, it is emotional. There are so many feelings, and you love each other, and you hate each other, and it's all the time. And it is in itself, like you can't, like when I think about family, I'm like, it is emotional to try and be logical. If they would be logical, it would make <laughs> life easier just for a few days. Just to be like, can you please just realize I need to, you know, have my own space. I need to have my own thought. I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave the house. I don't need the guilt, like taking the emotions out of it just so they could be rational for just a few days to remember that I'm an independent human being would be nice. You've uh, unleashed the crack. <laughs> I, I love you, mom, dad. You know, I do. You're never going to hear this because nobody listens to this long anyway. But it's true. It's like the emotions. If I could just put a pause on that and take everybody down a notch because after you're together half an hour. No holds barred. Expectations up to yin yang. Mm -hmm. Sounds like we could do an episode on this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the awareness is the first step, right? So you're aware of it. So, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised at the connections that you're making here. Um, <laughs> it's not just me. Will you do this with my parents? Can you go coach my parents? Well, what Bowen would do with you is he would figure out a way for you to differentiate yourself. Other family therapists would bring everybody in and, and try to differentiate the hmm. group as a whole. Oh, I need or the whole. work out a new way of operating. Well, is, wouldn't this theory be that by her, by Mandy being more differentiated and interjecting herself back into the family and retaining some of that differentiation, she would influence the others to differentiate themselves? Yes, it's a very systemic way of putting it, actually. But here's the thing, and this is why I was bringing up Mr. Newt as the example. <laughs> I don't see a differentiation as being an inherently good quality. Mm. I see it as a useful property, especially if you are, for example, a politician, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the point is he, he lies. He'll lie to your face. He'll contradict himself, and he doesn't. He don't care. He don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> right. It's like badger, honey badger, don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Hitler, I don't know, I would guess he was very differentiated, at least latter life of Hitler, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's a good, uh, he, his actions were good or the result of The flip side is, and I'm probably exaggerating here a bit, but I voted for Mr. Obama uh, last time. And I actually, I see him now in retrospect as a very effused, effused individual. Mm. Whenever there is conflict, that conflict is not met individualistically, but rather with what would they expect of me? What would I be expected to do? What would the other side expect from me? Mm. How could I please the other side? Right. You know, so, I mean, I, I, to use these political figures, I see him as someone that up front I would have said, oh, yeah, he's totally differentiated. And now in retrospect, yeah, probably like I'm probably talking on my ass here, but but a little bit of that fused right. thing is that is, is the sense I get. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really ever thought about it from this angle before. Yeah, I mean, it's perhaps true. 
I mean, it's hard to say because we're not we can't have in-depth psychological conversations with President Obama. But yeah, it seems possible that someone that approaches the world from a more collectivist that cares more about what other people think about him. Um, it seems like a person like that might actually have a harder time in politics because they don't just forge ahead and do things regardless. And they, they're always trying to get a consensus. And the political system in our country sometimes cannot come to a consensus. Uh, but I never thought about that before, that differentiation at a fault might actually be a good thing as a politician. I mean, not a good thing, but... Useful skill. Yeah, useful skill. I see this differently because one person, Newt, is on the campaign trail and he's A, trying to not use the psychological term differentiate, but he's trying to differentiate himself in a field of other, you know, people in the GOP to be like, I'm going to be the one. So he's got to differentiate himself between those other people as well as from President Obama. So he's like, I've got to be, you know, burning a new trail and being something special, different, outspoken. But when you go into that office as the president of the United States, I think he's not going to be blazing crazy trails. I don't give a fuck saying whatever. No, he is now in a different place. He's been elected. He wants to think about a survival. You want to think about pleasing people. He had to resign from when he was a representative for ethics violations. (laughs) so i don't think he's gonna be very nice to play with anyone (laughs) i i I don't know because i could you could say the same thing about bush and bush did what bush does and he i mean okay i mean think about it he would they just ask him point blank and he'd just be like no the world's not round well i think i think when you see politics from a certain angle it seems like bush did whatever he wanted to do but if he really did everything he wanted to do and what the evangelicals wanted him to do our politics would look really different right now well, you know, so so he didn't you within know, the the realm of the possible. He, he had to give in on a lot of issues, and he did as a president. He gave in on abortion. He gave in on prayer in schools, and he gave in on you know he gave in on a lot of issues. Yeah, I, I understand. Like you can't you can't get everything your way. But, but I think but it's certainly. But it's interesting because the people who criticize Obama today, the you know uh, Democrats who criticize Obama today, I think Republicans were criticizing Bush in the exact same way when Bush was president. You know, that he ran on certain principles and he's not following through. I think people just get disappointed by their presidents every time there's a president. And you can't you can't please everyone. I don't I don't think it's apples and oranges. I think it's more like apples and hamsters. Yeah. Uh, where are we in the process? Are we in tougher blood? Are we done with that? Um, <laughs> no, we're on differentiation. We're on differentiation. Yeah. We're giving examples. <laughs> did of- you want to talk about Fuse or did we kind of already do that? We kind of already did that. But, Berto, do you have an example from your life that you want to talk about being differentiated or undifferentiated? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For example, me personally, I feel like I am today a fairly differentiated person. I definitely regress when I go home to the family. Hmm. <laughs> I immediately start fighting with my brother. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Hmm. But, uh, but you know, in, in general, I'm a fairly differentiated person. In what way? In what way? I don't know. What way do you want me to be differentiated? <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, for example, I am not afraid to take unpopular stances if I, if I believe that they're the right stance at work or in po- politics or in, in, even in conversation, right? I also, you know, I, I, I have made certain decisions in my adult life about what I believe in, being it religion or being it like what is right and wrong, that are uh, go against what I was raised with, right? So that took some differentiation. Uh, at the same time, though, I definitely have some uh, 
fused traits for sure. Because I, if I'm with certain type of people, I will behave very fused. What do you mean? Uh, like, for example, some of my friends bring out a very fused personality in me. And what happens when you're fused? I will go along with things that maybe I wouldn't normally go along with. Mm. Or I will, I will role play a persona that maybe it's not my normal persona. And later on, you might think that you regret it. Sometimes I definitely regret things. Don't you also become fused with your bosses sometimes? That's happened with my bosses as well, yeah. yeah. Do you think, now Bowen would say, well, so you have to do a whole campaign to differentiate from your family of origin, which you have issues with, right? That's right. Do you think if you did a campaign you know, to try to be hold on to yourself when you're around your family, that that would translate into being differentiated with your bosses and your friends in these situations? That's a good question. Probably would have some effect. I mean, I've definitely, I, I have to believe it would, because in fact, the ways in which I feel a lot more differentiated nowadays, I would attribute them largely to me having overcome certain fused behaviors or relationships with my family, with my very close family members. Mm. So you, you see it naturally in a Bowenian way. I think so. I mean, like as a, as a very specific example, like to take my, uh, my father, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I respected him so much for caring for me when I was little and like teaching me about like science and things like this. Right. And so I grew to overlook a lot of problems that we had in, in, in our relationship and also in his own personal life that, that really were dysfunctions, right? Really dysfunctions. But then that translated into, into the type of male friend that I would seek out and the type of relationship I would have with those male friends. And it would be very much like, I wouldn't know it at the time, but in retrospect, we'd be like, man, I'm just kind of like looking for my father, you know, and just like the same kind of dysfunctions and the same kind of things, right? Mm. Well, it took years and like improving my or becoming more of an adult in the relationship with my father mm. and avoiding some of that dysfunction, mm -hmm. quite a bit of that dysfunction, mm -hmm. or at least establishing rules and parameters around those dysfunctions. Mm -hmm. And that has definitely translated into me having more boundaries with some of my male friends that have, that I've had those, those problems with. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would never say that I'm cured or something like that. It, it's, it's always a struggle, but it's right. definitely improved. So therefore I would imagine that the same kind of technique would help improve the, the differentiation with other relationships, for example, professional. Right. You put it beautifully. That's great. Bowen thought no one can achieve perfect differentiation. He had the scale from zero to 100, and he, and he said that you could only approach the, the upper end, but there will always be things that will pull you down. He said that when you are under a lot of stress, you naturally will operate at a lower level of differentiation. And that when things are relatively calm in your life, you'll operate from a higher level. But you can sort of move up that range by differentiating from your family of origin, which you've done. So you guys took to this concept pretty well. If you were in my class, you would get an A today. Yeah. We would both get an A? That's not very differentiated. <laughs> All right. News. Mandy. An international study on relationships showed that men, believe it or not, need more cuddles and kisses than women. This is news, not tougher bluff. Men need more cuddles? Couples who frequently hugged, kissed, and caressed partners were more sexually satisfied as well. I mean, it went on and on, but like, just like the... What was the first part? Men need more cuddles and kisses than women. Huh. And how do you feel? Do you feel like you like cuddles and kisses? Is it the type of person? Do you think men do like it more? You right. guys can admit. Uh... This, is, this is a safe place to admit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I don't think so. I mean, I need a certain type of 
I'll tell you what I like. I like very, very light scratching on my skin. Very light. Mm. What I technically term scratchitos. Oh, yes. that's so, cute. And you know what, though? I've liked that since I was a little baby mm. because I would ask my aunt and my grandma to like, do this ad nauseum, nonstop. Mm. So there's some attachment to like, some, some loving replacement of something that happened at very early age. And, uh, and so, so that's what I love. So that's, that's, that's a form of intimacy for yes. you. Like, I couldn't do that to you. It's shared with your partner. Right? No, no, no. Anyone can do it to me. Oh, like your mom could still do it to you and you'd be like, I like this. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Okay. I think this is more like about intimacy between partners. Uh, Right. Okay. Like more sexually. Right. Because I don't like, that sounds like a nice thing. You know, everybody likes it when, you know, their mom rubs their back or scratches their head. There is absolutely no sexual feeling that I get from that. But I want to know about your sexual intimacy that's not involved in foreplay or pursuit or anything like that. So what I like is really gentle scratching on my balls. (laughs) 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 No, no, no. Um, Okay. So, so you're asking me, do I like intimacy and cuddling? Cuddles and kisses. I actually don't. You don't. I actually almost have an aversion to it. So do you give it more or you just don't choose to partake in it in general as much as I think I have a psychological thing with it because I have an aversion to it. Like I, I don't like embraces and little kisses and things. Do you things. like to reciprocate or give the hugs and give the kisses or you're in general kind of more... I mean, if we're talking about like, like smooshing, like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, no. yes. If we're talking about like spanking and, and like we're doing the thing, yes. No. If we're talking about like this hug and it's the picky pick. Really? Uh, like after you had some nice... Before, mi- during, after. After the mind-blowing sex, but you don't remember and they're like, hold me. <laughs> I want to cuddle. I'm telling you, I have do, a psychological like problem with it. Okay. I don't know why. I'm, right. I've been abused, oppressed. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> I, I don't like, like if you, if you come, you like gently hug me. I'm like, ah, get the fuck away from so me. So you don't like hugs. I'm not talking partner hugs. I'm just like, do you, do you I like, like when like people touch you? I like sexual hugs. <laughs> you should have seen the face she just made. <laughs> I like sexual hugs. Okay. <laughs> like, like we're going to hug. <laughs> have you thought about why this is i mean I, I could see how some people might dispositionally be born with a aversion to being smothered it sounds like you don't like being smothered I don't like being smothered i feel claustrophobic you feel claustrophobic i had when i was a kid i would have these recurring panic attacks where i would feel like this weight was descending upon me uh-huh. and it was this invisible thick air that felt purple the only thing in my therapy that I could like <sighs> mentally think about as, as I talked with my therapist was that when I was in the womb, something was not right with the outside world. You know, there was yeah. a lot of fighting. There was a lot of abuse or something, you know, who knows, right? And that that somehow got into my little environment yeah. and it felt oppressive and it felt amorphous. It, it felt pre-language uh-huh. and it felt purple. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I literally felt the color purple. Huh. I always equated it with hippopotamus. Mm. <laughs> Like it was this huge hippo mass of of unseen pressure I'm thinking, crushing me. I'm thinking Barney. Was your mom trapped under Barney for a few days, like incapacitatedly trapped by Barney? Uh, because of that, I have <laughs> could be. Do you remember Barney giving you scratchitos? <laughs> Barney, <laughs> Barney traumatized. Would me. you be okay with Barney scratchitos? Well, that's scary because he's balls. got. Does he have? <laughs> does he have nails? It looks more like he's got like stumpies. Yeah, he's got like stumpy. He's, his scratchy does would be so, kind of... So, uh, 
if I was amputated and had no fingers, could I not give you scratchy toes? With your toenails, although I have a thing against toes. And I feet. have really nice feet, and like do you? I've always wanted to if be a foot clean model. I and do. They don't have uh, manicured. Let's see them. If they don't have the toe jam football, what do you think? What do you think, bro? They're small. All right, they're small and clean. He's making icky sounds. No, 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 no. no. Those are not icky sounds. I'm no, no, actually no, making. Let me, let me, let me comment. Let me comment. Let Uh-oh. me see your. Let me see your. So there's no gnarly. There's no gnarly. They're very. They're very. They're very nice. I bet you, if someone just saw your feet, they think they were children's feet. I wear children's shoes sometimes. I mean, if when you look at when you look at my toe, look at my toe. I have a- <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. You have nice feet. But I have a huge big toe. Everyone yeah. has a huge big toe. It's called a big toe for a reason. But mine's like abnormally large. Is you, his you, big toe relative to his toes? Is my big toes relative to mine? No, yours is smaller relative to yours. My you, big toe is more petite. I, I, could I, I mean, could I scratchy toes you with these? Clean, nice yes, feet? Yes, you could scratch it to me anytime. If uh, I had a, a stump, you'd take you my feet? You could be my wingman anytime. I s- <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could scratch it to me anytime <laughs> with your feet on my balls. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, yeah. news. Yeah, well, okay. I don't know if you guys have heard, but on our roads, especially in California, you might be driving down the freeway, and right next to you, there's a car mm-hmm. being driven by a computer. Oh, yeah. Go- yeah. The Google uh, there's Google, DARPA. There's uh, in in Germany, BMWs got BMWs on the autobahn going without a driver. Interesting. All right, tougher bluff. Hmm. A barnacle has the largest penis of any animal in relation to its size. Tough. I'm pretty sure I heard that before because it has to actually impregnate a barnacle very far away, and it actually has to get the penis inside the other barnacle. Right. That's that's how it works usually. <laughs> well, sometimes sometimes they just spew out their stuff into the water, but I think they actually have to get the penis in the other. So what you're saying is relative size, right? Right. Yeah. Because the biggest penis is everyone blue knows whale. the blue whale. Right. I don't lucky, know, man. lucky some bitch. <laughs> don't be jealous. You're perfect just the way you are. <laughs> I would say it's probably Yoda. Why Yoda? He can make stuff rise like. X-wing fighters rise out of the swamp. <laughs> he probably can make that thing He's rise. He's like two feet tall. Yeah, I know. But relative size is all we're talking about. Here. All right. So is it tough or bluff? <laughs> it is tough. Yeah. Damn it! it I was is. wrong about Yoda. It is. <laughs> yeah. Do they actually have to get the penis into the other barnacle? I don't know. You're the one who said you knew that. Can you imagine having sex as a barnacle? It's like they don't have <laughs> eyes, right? Plus, aren't they like stuck to the side of a ship or a whale or something? And so, so they have to. Like, put their penis out and just look for a female. <laughs> That's what it, isn't that what you do? <laughs> you just poke and hopefully you make it eventually. That is the metaphor of manhood. <laughs> You're looking for someplace hospitable for your wiener. This is the, ma- this is the human condition. This is the man- male condition. All right, tougher bluff. Caradoc is the oldest British, na- oldest British name still in use. Caradoc. Well, I don't know. I can't see why you would lie about that. I've never heard of Caradox. I'll say Bluff. That's not a real name. Bluff. According to my sources, this is the oldest British name in use, and I've never heard it. Caradoc. Caradoc. Anybody out there named Caradoc? If so, please, (laughs) please say that's me. All right. That does it for another episode (laughs) of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us, and please take care of yourself. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye.